Here is the latest from K2 Radio News. This show targets local issues that matter right here in Natrona County, where we talk to real people about their thoughts and ideas. I had some very special guests come to the studio for today's episode. Ani and Tishia Bergen stopped by to share their story. Ani is a 10-year-old girl who lives in Casper. She was diagnosed with Dravot syndrome and Lennox-Gastout syndrome when she was just a baby. They are very rare syndromes. These are extreme forms of epilepsy that come with multiple types of untreatable seizures. In Ani's case, she is unable to walk or talk, but she was all smiles while she snuggled with her mama for this episode. Why did you name her Ani? I actually wanted to name her Anagene. It was a mixture of my grandma's names. And her dad said it sounded like she was nauseous. <laughs> so he actually started calling her um, Annie and stuff like that when I was pregnant. He started, he nicknamed her Annie. And I hate the name Annie because we both are redheads. And she was determined to get this red tint hair. And I didn't want her to be an Annie. So I settled for Annie. But that's that's Ani. Was <laughs> was she diagnosed from birth with Dravot and Lennox Gast? Am I saying that Gastrout syndrome? Gastrout syndrome from birth, or was it something that you realized later on? It was later on. Um, so actually, Ani was fairly normal the first couple of months of her life. Um, she was meeting some of her milestones. Um, as she got bigger so it's kind of like a a whirlwind so my pregnancy was not the best I actually got pregnant on birth control with her on the implanon rod and so for the longest time I thought her seizures were due to the blood clot that had burst when I was 18 weeks pregnant and so we thought that for the, the longest time and so she started developing seizures around four to five months and I like, you could tell she was seizing. I took her to the hospital multiple times, and they kept telling me. I remember the last time the ER doctor literally told me I was a first-time mom, and I was kind of neat. He literally told me I needed to chill out. It was the third time I had taken her to the ER for seizures, and he said, he said, if we humor you and get her... Um, like have the neurologist come in here um like he said he said he would humor me and have the neurologist come in and see her so we finally got a referral for a neurologist when she was about four to five months old and um at first we went in there and she had her eeg and we went into the room and it was like three hours long and after that, we went in and met, her name was Dr. Ashgar, and she initially told us that Ani didn't have seizures, but she had already, and she had scheduled an MRI, and she said that we were going to go ahead with the MRI and go from there. And um, so she said that she didn't get a chance to, like, find comb through the seizure, just through, the, through it yet, because it was a three-hour test. But overall, she said that she didn't think she had seizures. She called me within a couple hours and said she went through there and we needed to get her on some seizure medications right away. And so we started on some seizure medication on Keppra first. And it, with them, we had our MRI 
and the MRI, I was told, was there was nothing wrong with her brain. And so um, they said it was unremarkable, I guess. Like, they didn't have any remarks to make about her, the, the brain, I guess, the growth of her brain. So then um, she was doing a little, a little better, meeting some more of her milestones. As she started getting a little bigger, um, she would she would roll over. She would like push up on tummy time, and um, we started baby foods. So, how old so is Ani now? Ani is ten. She just turned ten in July. You're so tall. She is huge. That is ah. part of my problem. <laughs> so, and yeah. mom is very strong. For the listener, she's holding her on her lap. You remind me of my daughters. I hope I can hold them for that long. That's what I used to tell people. They would, I, yeah, I would tell them that the difference between my daughter and their daughter is I get to love, I get to hold mine longer. Yeah. Uh, no, mine's already longer. five and she's over it. But I have a two-year-old and the two-year-old's very cuddly. Right. So that's very sweet. So we got initially started on seizure medications, and she had then started having some grandma seizures closer to about a year old. And after the first grandma seizure, she quit meeting milestones. And then... Um, so was this five months-ish? Five months is when we started her Kepra. About five to six months old is when she got on her very first seizure medications. So about 10 to 11 months old is when she started having bigger seizures I guess more noticeable what people would consider a seizure um and that must be terrifying as a mom I cannot imagine it's really hard (laughs) unfortunately seizures seem to be all over my world I I work at the high school with kids like Ani I work in the ILS class at the high school okay so at Roosevelt here so I love my job but it is very hard to, I wake up, I go to work with kids like her all day, and I come home and I'm with kids with her all day. So I just, yeah. some days, yeah, seizures are really hard. And it, it never gets easier. And every single one you see scares you. Mm-hmm. It's it's all awful. So we were in the hospital, and he had, had a big seizure. We were at the hospital, and Dr. Ashkar started her on a medication called Trileptol. And when I went to the pharmacy to pick it up, the first thing the pharmacy pharmacist told me was that it wasn't, that it was a medication that wasn't for kids under the age of one with chronic seizures. So her dad's, her mother, my, her dad's mom, her grandma, and and I blew up the doctor's phones trying to get all the doctor because the nurses kept saying, we know, they just, you'll be fine. We want her on that medication yada 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 and so after a week of trying to get hold of the doctor we went in there the doctor the nurse doctors talked to the nurse the nurse talked to the doctor came back to us and said that yes dr ashgar wants her on trileptal she was on trileptal for six days we were out at my mom's house she lives way out in coal creek and my mom was holding her this she was um 15 months old and she quit breathing. It was the first seizure that she had that she quit breathing. 
she was we raced to town met the ambulance and the fire truck and um that was the first time Ani was life flighted to Denver and she um they resuscitated her a total of three times and we spent about two and a half months almost three months in the hospital and we came home with a feeding tube and not being able to hold her head up anymore and um not being able to do a lot and um I mean you see her now and she's like she'll look around and she smiles and like you can see the light in her eyes and it was just really hard for a long time because that that wasn't there like she was really really sick and um, so yeah and the first thing that doctor said to the neurologist in Denver said to me is why is she on trileptal and I told him and so yeah that's a whole nother in a nutshell but um since then um we actually found out that in so that was in 2014 and in 2018 they did a study with on people with seizure disorders and they found that there's a gene mutation um which is categorized by Draybot syndrome and that gene mutation when you give patients with seizure disorders specific types of seizure medications like trileptal it or in a nutshell it's seizure medications that are sodium channel blockers so there's specific seizure medications that are sodium channel blockers and then ones that aren't and the sodium channel blockers actually mutate that gene because the gene mutation that they have is the i don't i don't know the exact name of it i'm sorry it's like sc something n1 i don't even know but that gene is is what helps like the sodium is what like helps sodium channel blockers so when you give people when you give people with this gene mutation those regular seizure medications it amplifies it so she started having seizures constantly she was seizing like every second we had an emu shortly after this which is the three-day seizure test where they hook you up and you stay in the hospital for three days and um you're on like a three you know constant monitoring seeing the activity and what's going on and I, for the first time, was so excited because I was like, she's not seizing, you know, like, her dad was holding her for, like, some of it, and she was, like, smiling and looking, and he was reading a book to her, and, um, the, so I was, I was so excited, I was like, oh, well, maybe, you know, we found the right medications, and, um, come to find out, she was seizing the entire time, so she, they categorized it. And that's when she got diagnosed with the Lennox-Gastrot syndrome seizure disorder, which basically means you have three or more types of seizures going on in your brain. Mm-hmm. So she has grandma seizures, she has cluster seizures, she has absent seizures. She just, yeah, constant. Them all. Yeah, and it was constant. And so we started the whole 
trying to find different seizure medications and yeah, going from there. But like I said, in 2018, they found a study, they, they did a big study on it and they found that those sodium channel blockers amplify that gene mutation, causing them to have more seizures. So it's been really hard the last like couple months trying to come to terms with that you know because and that's my big hope too like is that hopefully with like technology coming about and just learning about this you know that maybe you know it could like her I don't I'm not trying I don't want to say that like her being in a wheelchair could have been prevented in some way because I think I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason but I hope that it helps the next person like learning about those gene mutations and if they get those testings to babies that their parents think they're having seizures then you can then you can get them on the right medications from young and that's unfortunately with Dravot syndrome with that diagnosis meaning you had childhood seizures that either went undiagnosed or on on medicate like it got worse it got so bad because she was either on a the wrong medications or people aren't on any medications how would you describe bonnie's personality oh she's a giggly kid she doesn't like scary things um chucky scares her (laughs) she loves stitch huh because he's naughty I think Ani, there's this show, it's called Masha and the Bear on Netflix. I love, my kids love Masha. So Ani, I think, lives vicariously through Masha (laughs) because she's naughty. Ani's very giggly. Yeah, when kids get in trouble, Ani will watch and she giggles at them. Um, She's overall really happy. She loves most animals. Big animals kind of scare her. But she loves jumping. My, like, adopted mom um, kind of thing, who I call my mom. (laughs) She owns a bounce house business. So we get to have bounce houses all the time. And Ani loves bounce houses. Me too. So that's kind of Ani. She's kind of, she's silly. She loves friends. If you get her around other kids, she looks at them and smiles at them and... You can just tell that she wants to, like, she loves kids. How, in what ways does she communicate with you? Um, so she is nonverbal, but you can tell the difference between her cries. She smiles and kind of, like, coos, like, the way she is when she's happy. Um, yeah. She definitely looks very happy. She loves, she loves TV, but, yeah, just through smiling and giggling and, Kind of like a, she's just a really big newborn, I guess you would say, because, you know, I mean, babies, you know, the difference between like a I'm hungry cry and like an I'm tired cry and I need changed cry. Like kids and people that are nonverbal, they they have nonverbal communication. You just have to, I guess, pay attention. What are the biggest ways her diagnosis has changed your life? 
Oh man. Um. In every well, way, maybe. I yeah. Ev- honestly, every way. Um. That's a really hard question. I guess. <laughs> are you her full time caregiver? I am. Are so you able to work another I, job? Is kind of what I'm getting. So I am a single mom. I actually. When Ani had her big grandma seizure when she was 15 months old, I had just started my second year of college. I went back to school. Um, I ended up having to drop out because she got um, life flighted to Denver, and we spent two and a half, almost three months there. Um, so I, ha- I haven't gone back to school, but I have I've worked as much as I can. It was really hard when she was younger. She was really sick all the time. Um, she was constantly getting sick, and just her immune system was was awful. And I have had to quit many jobs because a there's now there is one daycare here in Casper. I can't say there's no daycares because there used to not be, <laughs> but there no daycares could take kids with feeding tubes and. Before she got life lighted, I was actually working at Stepping Stones, and and I love her. She's an amazing person, and um, I actually couldn't go back to work because she couldn't go there anymore because of the liabilities with a feeding tube. Mm-hmm. And so, for the longest time as a baby, I couldn't get a job, and I had to rely on other people to mm. watch her or and try to help and it was really hard too because i mean when you're as fragile as and medically fragile as she was when she was a baby versus now um it's it's hard to trust somebody with your kid that i mean hey i don't know what i'm doing half the time let alone trying to put it on somebody else and um we got on the waiting list for the waiver right away it took um we were on the waiting list for almost three years to get respite services um so we lived um for a while um when she was a baby we lived in a camper (laughs) um we lived in low-income apartments infested in cockroaches (laughs) i vow never to go back there (laughs) Um, I have worked my bum off before COVID. I worked um, in day hub facilities in in nursing homes. Um, I got my CNA license, um, and it's hard. I can't I can't work a twelve hour shift and be her mom at the same time and give her the care that she needs. Um, it's incredibly hard. Um, I when COVID started I because she does get social security I couldn't get unemployment because they were paying too much because even though I lost my job if I I I collected unemployment one month and I got a letter saying that she was going to lose her her Medicaid and lose her um our income like and I can't afford feeding supplies I can't you know, it's that's that's. I mean, I mean, in her seizure medications, the I mean, one of the seizure medications she's on is like a thousand dollars a bottle, and I mean, it's it's so I 
I've bounced from a lot of jobs because of her and because of not being able to have somebody reliable to watch your daughter, my daughter, you know, and um, COVID happened and I needed a job. So I started working at Dairy Queen and I worked at the Dairy Queen um, right over here in Poplar for almost three and a half years and I eventually was the assistant and it was really hard working 50 plus hours a week and trying to find time to be with her and using waiver services you get very I mean I am so thankful for the services that we get through the state but it is the bare minimum we ran out of respite hours because I had to have thyroid surgery two summers ago and I had to have somebody take care of her I was in the hospital for three days and it just even three days yeah. it just must be so hard finding anyone who can help yeah it's <sighs> honestly a nightmare it's yeah. I don't I don't have a family support system here my biological mom and I are not very close and she um, lives in Texas and my dad I love him <laughs> he's kind of loose in his mind a little bit <laughs> he's getting older <laughs> um, and he, he you know bus he he does his best but it it's hard for him to, to get, take care of her as far as accessibility <laughs> in the city and just day-to-day life going in to do things that most of us take for granted the post office the bank whatever it is are there things that you think to yourself that if you could improve what what would those be just a few mm. for people because there are so many people with disabilities that i think that yeah. you know to so many of us it's something we don't see parks walmart it is in i hate grocery shopping sometimes when because I have to push a wheelchair and pull a shopping cart. Oh. And trying to maneuver in aisles is just, it's not fun. And not only that, but thankfully we have this wheelchair now, but her old wheelchair, I literally had a mental breakdown in Walmart parking lot once because I couldn't take it apart to get it in my car. Mm. And so I almost, I almost left it. <laughs> I wanted to leave it. <laughs> and I just, I could take it apart (laughs) but uh, parks are a big thing and trails and like the like the small things like yeah the most places now try to offer ADA accessibility but it's still it's just not there it's not where it should be and there's to me and to like our community like of people like Oni, I think there's a huge difference between accessibility and inclusive Mm -hmm. because accessibility is like a park where yeah there's they put in a spot where you can like a transfer ramp or something like that but you can't necessarily go in there and play unlike the one in North Casper like that one's an inclusive park the other parks around Casper are just ADA accessible. So, um, I don't know, like bathrooms. Bathrooms are a huge thing I would change in the world. Most people take that for granted. When you're on a road trip, you can stop at any gas station and go to the bathroom. But as a parent, 
mothers know that not all bathrooms have changing stations and not and my child is like is she's tall she doesn't fit in a baby changing station i can't count how many bathrooms i've had to lay a blanket on the floor um and change her um i couldn't even lay her in thermopolis we went to thermopolis last year and i actually took her bath chair out of the van and put it on the side of the road and changed her with my uh, girlfriend had held up a blanket to like shield her but I changed her outside in the middle of the road like in the parking lot because they didn't have like I couldn't get her in the bathroom because it was so small like Peach's bathroom like just like the smallest bathroom ever (laughs) so I and I think most people or with disabilities like hate bathrooms public restrooms are the worst and trying to find places that you can stop on road trips to go to the bathroom is well for the last bit of this episode what i do want to get to is the gofundme and so you're raising money for a new wheelchair van so in what ways is this wheelchair van going to affect your life a new wheelchair van would be amazing um right now the vehicle we have is not reliable i can't even i can't take our vr the van we have now to her appointments in denver um we did have a reliable vehicle and i'm still paying on it unfortunately but um the transmission went out of the trans it had it's having transmission problems and it's not reliable, so I had to buy just a cheap van on Facebook. I, I literally paid $700 for it in April, so I could have something to go to work and to take her to therapy. But like I said, it's not reliable, and not only that is she has a extended fit car seat, and she has almost outgrown that car seat, and trying to get her in and out of her wheelchair transferring her like picking her up out of the wheelchair into the van and buckling her into this car seat that she's already almost maxed out grown it and then having to lift the wheelchair in and out of the van as well is just not it's awful when I um was struggling with my thyroid problems before I would have days where I would I wouldn't be able to pick up her wheelchair and her wheelchair weighs 50 plus pounds and she right now she weighs 55 pounds so this would be something she can get into and it puts her in the car yeah it, it will have a it will have a ramp and she she can ride comfortably in her wheelchair she um, oftentimes if we go on if we ha- have to go to salt lake for her doctor for her um for some of her doctor's appointments and trying to get there and not having to stop and giving her breaks from her car seat because the hard plastic and people like her they do develop like pressure sores and sitting in in those is just it's just not the best and the best for her would be to be able to be in her wheelchair that has a gel cushion pad for it and to be able to go places and go to our appointments 
and yeah, she's gonna keep growing and getting bigger. And yeah, it's gonna get gonna harder stop. and harder. <laughs> she's it's already it's already really hard to get her in and out of a vehicle. My goodness. Are you if you are interested in helping Ani and her mom out with the wheelchair van, they do have a GoFundMe. It's at www.gofundme.com backslash F backslash Ani's, that's A-U-N-N-I-E-S, dash wheelchair dash van. Or you can also find the link to it on our website. I put out a recent article about Ani, and there is a link inside. So that'll be at k2radio.com. If you're listening to this episode on the radio and you miss some of it or you want to listen to it again or share it with others, you can find it and all our podcast episodes for free at k2radio.com by clicking the Listen tab at the top of the website and the On Demand button. This podcast is called Report to Wyoming. It's also available on Spotify if that is your favorite streaming platform.